up here. Good morning, church. What a great day it's been so far. Um, thank you, Pastor Bob, for praying for us. Um, my name is Eric McPherson, and I lead the youth ministry here at Mission Church, and it's my honor to bring the message this morning. But before I do so, kids, you are dismissed. Yes. Appreciate it. I also want to say thank you to Pastor Gordon, who couldn't be here this morning. Um, thank you for giving me this opportunity to bring the word this morning. And I also wanted to thank you, the church, for being the place where God's call on my life to minister to his people is constantly being realized and nurtured. Um, and I know we've already prayed a lot, but let's pray again. Lord... I pray that you speak through me this morning. Would anything that comes out of my mouth that is from you stick and be remembered, and anything that is not of you be quickly forgotten? We open our hearts and minds to what you have for us this morning. Amen. So we've been in this series as a church on ecclesiology, the study of the church, its meaning, its purpose. Um, And this morning, we're going to zero in a bit and talk about what that means for us, for the local church and for us as its ministers. So as we discovered who we are as the church and our purpose as the church, we can't separate these things from our specific context, rooted in both place and time. I want to start by saying that this message this morning that I believe God has for us is one that God has for me also. It's not just for you. It's, this is something that God has been teaching me as he's been growing me in my disciplines of being connected and rooted in the space and time that he has placed me in. And so some of you may know this about me, but out of my curiosity for how the world works, I actually studied physics in college. Um, so it's pretty fitting for me to be talking about something like rooted in space and time. Um, but I want to let you know that, don't worry, space and time are really cool. Albert Einstein... Um, a great physicist, he showed that time and space are connected and mixed. But don't worry, we're not going to dive deep into Albert Einstein's theories on general relativity or any of those things. But if you want to talk about them afterwards, I would love to. They're really cool, and they are beautiful things that the creator of our universe has integrated into the life of the world. So come talk to me about it, or better, if you actually want to learn something, go talk to Sean Romero. (laughs) And also, I just want to take a second to note this beautiful VBS stage up here. Can we get a round of applause for everybody who had a hand in making it? I know that VBS this week is going to be stellar. Yeah, I know. Hmm. So what we're going to get at this morning is this simple yet profound truth that the local, tr- local church, its members, and its ministries cannot exist outside of its being rooted in a specific place in a specific time. I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? We meet in a building that is literally built into the ground. This building is not meant to be moved. It's not a portable. Um, we also have clocks. Watches, not many watches anymore, most of the time smartphones or digital clocks that remind us that the earth is revolving, 
that time is passing, that we have divided up into these things called days that we can then use to kind of help keep us track of the time that's going on. We experience places and times at every moment of our life. But location has become decreasingly important in our lives, in our culture today, in our society, where things like remote work, remote school, and the ability to have pretty much anything you want delivered to your doorstep are all such easily, readily available. So I think location today, of course, with the exception of real estate, is no longer valued. It doesn't really matter that much. But, however, I think that location has always and will always be important to God. And by important, I mean that location has always been purposeful. In the early chapters of the book of Genesis, the first couple chapters that we have in our Bible, we see the story of Adam and Eve being created and being rooted in the Garden of Eden. They are placed specifically in the Garden of Eden. Not in some random area, but called to be co-cultivators of God's work in a specific place. Then a little later on throughout the Old Testament, we see the story of the Israelites, the promised people of God being promised a land, the land of Canaan, a specific place where they are to enter into one day. Though their journey to get there, they like to wander. They like to wander from God, which caused them to wander in the desert for quite a bit, caused them to wander around and to eventually be ruled and taken over by other nations. But their location was important. God gave them a land to enter into. But I think the thing that truly shows us just how important that location is to God in our life, in the life of our church, is the way in which God came to earth. God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to the earth to be with us, to live among us. John John chapter 1, verse 4, in the message, um, says it this way. Word, the word, Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. When God chose to enter the world through Jesus Christ, it was not in some random decision, but a calculated decision. To leave heaven, to enter earth, through a particular family, through a particular town, in a particular country, in a particular context. Jesus was sent into our neighborhood for the sake of the world. This decision to enter our neighborhood, the earth, to fully experience human life in the context of a lowly people, in a lowly place, under the rule of another nation, to experience all of that, yet to bring the hope of the world by conquering sin and death and being raised again on the third day. Just as Jesus purposely entered our everyday reality, the local church, its people and its ministries are meant to be a tangible expression of God's love in the everyday reality of our own neighborhoods. Clearly, location is important to God. And I think that we, as the church, we as the body of Christ, typically receive three different types of calls to location. I think the first one is a call to be going, a call to go. 
Um, and this comes from the Great Commission, as we see in Matthew chapter 28, <clears throat> verses 16 through 20. And I think we'll have those up there for you that we can read together. Matthew chapter 8, verse six, starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now these disciples receiving the word from Jesus after Jesus had been resurrected, these are the people that God then uses to go and start the church. One of which, Peter, he tells, I will build, the, I will build my church upon you. But we, as we have learned throughout our series, and as we all know, the church is not just the building. It is not just a specific location. And as we know, Mission Church, our church, is a great church. It is also no more church than the other great local churches doing the work of God. Our location is not special because the location itself is special. No, all locations and people are important to God. That's why they're special. This command from Jesus to his disciples to continue the work that Jesus was doing here on earth after he left was a call to remain, a call to continue this work of building the kingdom wherever they went, and actually a call to be sent. Jesus couldn't stay on earth and continue his mission. He traveled around for about three years with these disciples, but then he had an appointment to go be back with the Father in heaven. But he entrusted the disciples, he entrusted us, to go and continue on this work. Now, in this, in this early church, the early Christians, the disciples after this, they preached in upper rooms, in temples, in city centers, locally and on journeys to other countries. Their location was important because it is where God positioned them to be, where God positioned them to further the work of the kingdom. God sent them out. Maybe you've had an experience like this. There we go. No worries. Maybe you've had an experience like this. Maybe you're like Abram, later known as Abraham. But back in Genesis chapter 12, we see the story of Abram being called to leave his family, to be uprooted from where he has been, and to follow God. God, God specifically call, calls him and asks him to follow him to a land I will show you. Not even a land that is named. He doesn't even know where he's headed, but God calls him to go and follow to a land where he will show him because God has work for him to do there. Or maybe you're like Jonah who received a word from God to go to Nineveh to preach, but Jonah wasn't very excited about that word. And um, let's just say that story didn't turn out exactly how Jonah wanted it to or expected it to. If you want to know more about it, go read it. The book of Jonah is awesome. It's a short read. Or come talk to one of our youth group kids. We studied uh, the book of Jonah in Sunday school a couple months ago. Some are called to go, to move to a new location, to participate in the ministry that God has for them. Others are given the call to go, but 
with the warning, with the encouragement of not yet. We find this in Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, which we'll also have up there. This is again after Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations. After that, uh, the great commission that we have, Jesus says a not yet. We have here, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them, the disciples, this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. (laughs) This story, this call that Jesus has to his disciples to, hey, you're going to go do this, but not yet. Sit and wait until my spirit comes upon you. This call, this not yet, this is my story. When I was first called into ministry in college, God gave me the idea, the the call to missions. I love missions. I have a passion for missions, not because I think that I'm some special person who can go reach a bunch of people, but because ultimately missions is the expression of God's people following this call to go out and make disciples of the nations in places where God is already at work. To go and participate with our brothers and sisters around the world who are also doing the incredible work and ministry that God has for them in their location. And as I was receiving this call to missions as a young college kid, I was excited. But I was not nearly as excited to hear those words, not yet. Because those aren't easy. But God knows what is best for each of us. And God knows what is best, especially for me and my call to ministry. Because I was just a young, inexperienced college kid. What did I know about ministry? What did I know about international ministry at that? God knew that it would have been so much easier for me to just go than to stay and remain and wait for the training Wait for the ability to learn and participate in ministry here. Because if I can't minister here where I'm at, why would I ever think that I would be good at ministering somewhere else? And those that are like me, and I still believe that one day, God will call my wife and I to missions. God will call us to ministry somewhere else. But... (laughs) The call for us who have that story of the not yet is to not to not overlook the now, not overlook the importance, the things that God is teaching us and shaping us and growing us in now, because the location is important. God has us here for a reason. The not yet is purposeful, too. And lastly, the last call, I think, that we receive about location is one to go, one to go eventually, but not yet. And the last one is to stay. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to General Assembly, um, the General Assembly of the Church of the Nazarene, which happens every four years. And this year, it was hosted in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was a gathering of 10,000 
members of the Nazarene church from around the globe. It was an incredible, beautiful experience. And I would definitely recommend it. It's, it's free to go if you can get there. It's really cool. I asked about it, and I was like, are you sure it's free? Like, yes, it is. You just have to show up and then register, but it's free. I would definitely recommend it. I tried to look for it on Yelp. It didn't have any reviews. It wasn't listed. But I would definitely give it five stars. This year at General Assembly, our church was tasked with, um, with the task of electing two new general superintendents of the Church of the Nazarene. That is the highest elected official in the Church of the Nazarene. There's six of them, and we needed to elect two new ones. It was an incredibly long process and a great process, a cool process, that we as the church get to elect who leads us and guides us. Maybe the most memorable thing for me that happened at my entire week of being in General Assembly with all of the incredible worship services, all of the incredible messages and encouragements about youth ministry happening in our our nation and around the world, about ministries of the churches happening where we are and also in other places around the world, I think the most impactful thing to me was it took place right after the second casting of the ballots of voting for our next general superintendent. A man named Daniel Abdul Karim Gomes, who's been working for the Church of the Nazarene in Africa for over 20 years and is currently the global missions director for the entire Africa region, had the most votes after ballot number two, by far, was a for sure shoo-in to be elected. Over 200 people out of 1,000, after just two votes, and remember, it took 30 to get this done. So after just two, he already had over 200 people voting for him, telling him that we think you should be the next person to help lead the entire church of the Nazarene. But Daniel... Daniel Abdul Karim Gomes. He got up and went to a microphone on the floor and said words that I'll never forget. He said, and I quote, I strongly sense the call of God to continue serving in missions and in Africa for the moment. I therefore ask my name to be withdrawn. Wow. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Daniel. I don't know Daniel. But to have the ability to see that God has called you so deeply, so specifically to the place of ministry that you are in, to turn down the highest revered, highest elected position in the entire church, the global church, because you are so certain that you are where God has called you to be. That spoke to me. We are called to deeply minister, become deeply rooted in our local context. And some are called to stay. Sometimes God calls us to transition to new places. Sometimes God calls us to remain faithfully rooted where we currently are. Both matter, and neither is more valuable than the other. The value comes in following the call of God. Did you know that the Church of the Nazarene officially recognizes the United States as a mission field? Maybe this is the mission field that God has called me to. You know what? I'd be okay with that. Because God has a plan. 
God knows better than I do the ministry that he has for me. So now, now that we understand that location is important, because God has purposefully placed us there, these specific locations that God has called us to all have something in common. They're called people. They're all filled with other people. They're all filled with neighbors. <laughs> people we live next to. People we bump into at the bus stop. People we sit really crowded next to on the trolley trying to go downtown. These are our neighbors. So before we talk about ideas of how to be a good neighbor, I think it can be incredibly helpful to get to know your neighbors. So my question to you is, do you know everyone that lives around you? I certainly don't. And I'd be willing to go out, go out on a limb and say that probably most of you do not because San Diego is a really big place if you're here. There's so many people. How could you possibly know everyone that lives around you? I have another question. Do you know everybody in this church that lives around you? Well, we're going to test that. So in a second, I'm going to invite you, if you are willing and if you are able, to stand. We, I have a, an image of a map of San Diego. It's a little dark, but I think it'll be okay. Um, with our church logo in the center of it. And I divided it into four sections. And if you need help remembering, you know, the spots on the compass, every time I do it, I have to think, never eat soggy waffles. So I get it right, and that's okay, right? So we have that, or we have some beautiful colors up here. And so in a sec, I'm going to invite each of you to stand up based on where you live in relation to the church, in which one of these ex like extending neighborhoods, extending directions that you live. And while you stand, I want to encourage you to look around, to think about the people that you see, to note them. Maybe go say hi to them afterwards, because these are your neighbors, even within the church, that you can partner with to be better neighbors to our neighborhoods. And so... At this time, if you are able, or if you're joining us online and you want to write your name in the chat, that's rad. If you are able, and you live north of the church, so you live in the red, the red part, like that way on the church, I want to invite you to stand. I know, I'm a youth pastor, so I get away with this stuff. <laughs> and I want you to look around. Notice the people that are standing. Did you know everyone that lived in the same direction away from church that you do? These are your neighbors. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, if you live east, if you're in the yellow quadrant, I want to invite you to stand. Same thing. Wow. We got a lot. We might need to plan a church out east. <clears throat> Look around. Notice the people. These are the people that you live next to. These are your neighbors, the people you can partner with in ministries to reach your neighborhood. You may be seated. Next, if you live south of the church, if you live that way, and you're in the blue quadrant, I want to invite you to stand. Awesome. Yes. Love it. We need some more people to move south of the church. We need a bigger presence there. Yes. Look around. Notice each other. These are your neighbors. And finally, if you live west of the church, if you live that way, you're in that teal-colored section. Yes, I'm standing for this one. <clears throat> Neighbors, this is great. 
I'm so excited for the ministries that we hopefully will be able to do in our own neighborhoods. You may also be seated. Yes. So these are some of your neighbors. These are the people that we can partner with to reach our own neighborhoods. And guess what? They're already in our church. We know them. It's easy to partner with these people. And so I hope that this is a great reminder and a great encouragement that even on our journey of being a good neighbor, which we're going to talk about four quick ideas of how to do that, we are not alone. We have people in our own church that we can so easily partner with as neighbors to reach our community. So really quickly, I've been told that Nazarene's like three or four bullet points to learn. And so my first sermon, I guess, here's four things. Four quick things on how to be a good neighbor. One, be present. We're not only called to be good neighbors when we are in our homes and in our neighborhoods. Yes, we are. We are called to know our neighbors. We're called to love our neighbors because that's what Jesus told us to do. But also, we don't, we don't get to just be neighbors when we're at home. We're called to be neighbors when we're out and about. Maybe in this season, your neighbors, <laughs> maybe you spent most summers, like I did growing up, at the ballpark. And so the neighbors that you are around most during the summer are the other kids, the other families on your kids' sports teams. Those are your neighbors. Maybe, maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's a group of people that you're going traveling with. Wherever you go, you are the walking, living, breathing member of the body of Christ. Second, I want to encourage you to be hospitable. Some examples of this be to open your home up to your neighbors. Make a meal, invite them over. Or make a meal in the common area and invite people to come be with you. Open up your house for like your backyard for a pool. Let everybody in the, in the neighborhood know that they can come swim at your pool one day. Yeah. I mean, make them shower first, but have them do that. The call to participate in the ministry of the church in your neighborhood is a call to being in relationship with your neighbors. Ministry always happens in the context of relationship. So we have be present, be hospitable, and be prayerful. One idea that we have is you can go on a prayer walk in your neighborhood. Pray and seek for where God is already at work in your neighborhood. Ask God where, where you could make connections and what are some ways that he is inviting you to participate in the work of the church in your neighborhood. Lastly, I want to encourage you to go together. You are not alone in this. That prayer walk idea we just talked about, well, you just saw a bunch of other people that you could potentially go on a prayer walk with. So you don't have to go by yourself. Hopefully you remembered some of the people that you saw when you were standing up. Hit them up. If you live west, hit me up. And let's go on a prayer walk in our neighborhoods to ask God what he wants to do. We're not called to reach our neighborhoods alone. As one poet put it, we don't need to worry about watering the whole desert. That is not our job. But we can be raindrops so that with God's help, let's be rain in every dry corner of this world.
This is the mission of the church. I just want to share a couple quick closing thoughts with you guys. Starting with a quote from a Wesleyan theologian who said, Church happens not when some script is followed to the last detail, but when the story of the cruciform love of Jesus of Nazareth is carried out in the midst of community. So no matter where you are, no matter what location God has placed you in, no matter what call, whether it is to go, whether it is to stay, not yet, or whether it is to stay permanently, God wants to use you there. Whether you are called to go like a student who has recently graduated and is moving away, or you are called to go but not yet, like a service member waiting on the next deployment assignment, or you are called to stay exactly where God has you, like those who are serving in the vocation that God has purposefully placed them in. Your location is purposeful to God. So I want to encourage you this morning, encourage us this morning, to follow Jesus into our neighborhoods with other followers of Jesus, to love our neighbors, to allow the ways God moved in our neighborhood through Jesus Christ, inform the ways that we move into our own neighborhoods. I want to empower you and encourage you to live a life of hospitality, prayerfully seeking where God is already moving and faithfully follow the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Thank you.